we're recording this podcast in the middle of game four of the NBA finals, so if we sound a little bit distracted at times, we apologize ahead of time. Um, I had a really good tweet earlier tonight. I don't know if you saw it, but they showed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Robertson are there. It's like the 50th anniversary oh. of the Bucks' last game, or the last time they won a finals. And I tweeted, uh, I'm glad to see Kareem made it out of Dave's bathroom okay. Dude, so I didn't even know that he was like an award-winning Peabody body winning like like journalist. I did not know that. It's insane. Like it's really impressive. I caught up on Dave. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great show. Uh very uncomfortable show, but it's, this season it's is, good. yeah. Yeah, like the whole Benny episode like no, I didn't I didn't need that at all. <laughs> all right, Chuck. welcome everybody to the Town Tailgate podcast. What's up, Chuck? How are you doing, that- Chuck? That's Julio Renoso, nope, not Chuck. No, we're Chuck now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am Chris Madrigal. Um, follow us on Twitter, at the Town Tailgate. Uh, we are members of the Around the Diamond Podcast Network. Check out all their stuff. Uh, they follow closely um, the league in general. So if you're a fan of uh, all kinds of teams and um, just social media in general, they're a fun little follow. Um, today is going to be a really fun podcast, Julio. Uh, we have two guests coming on. Uh, we're doing... A cross pod uh, crossover. A pod crossover. Pod cross. Uh, pod cross. Uh, and we will introduce those guests um, in the second half of this podcast. Um, Leave them hanging. A secret for now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, first off, we're going to talk about the All Star game, uh, the home run derby, obviously. Um, an injury to one of the biggest stars in baseball happened also. And um, looks like uh, the MLB and uh, the Players uh, Association has. Uh, been a little friendly lately um yeah so let's start it off all-star game julio that was a lot of fun yeah it was a much better al1 AL this is the eighth year in a row vladdy jr was the mvp after hitting an absolute fucking bomb off of corbin burns and he also drove in an rbi later in the game um matt olsen was in the game for like majority of the time once Mm -hmm. um Came once, in in the fourth, right? Yeah, so once Vladdy was taken out, yeah. Matt Olson remained in there at first. Struck out twice, but hey, he was on the field. Uh, I thought it was cool that they put in Chris Bassett the same inning that they put him into, which was, yeah, that was bad. Even though Chris and, Bassett uh, got a little shaky, but he got out of it. He got the he got the strikeout on Chris Bryant. I mean, he shouldn't have been pitching in that game in the first place, no. but he said that he wanted to. He told Kevin Cash, like, I don't I don't care. Like, this is the All-Star game. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Like, put me in there. And yeah, and it sounds like um, uh, they were saying it towards the end of the broadcast that, like, kudos to both teams because, like, every position player played, which, like, yeah. you don't do that super often. I know there were some uh, pitchers who didn't pitch. I, I think Garrett Cole didn't pitch, but I think there was, like, because of – their last eight pitch it was kind of up to them and plus i i could see kevin cash being like no i'm not putting a yankee out there screw you dude we're not gonna pitch you <laughs> when there's no stakes in the game anymore like you know when it used to be like for home and away in the world series like now that there's no stakes in the game it's all for fun like there's really no reason not to like fans want to see that their guy plays in the game and how he does so like there's there's no excuse not to at least they obviously like have their pitcher and they have to pitch and they don't want to yeah i respect and a very historic uh, game too, and in the sake of international play, the winning pitcher was Otani, Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the 
player who got the save was Liam Hendricks from Australia, but also I didn't realize he like grew up in the Dominican. Oh, that's news to me. I yeah, know that. they brought that up last night too. Like, oh. Other side of the world. So yeah. you grew up in the Dominican and <laughs> you went to the other side of the world to, I don't know, grow up more, for lack of a better word, in Australia. And then you came back to the other side of the world to play professional baseball. Yeah, uh, kind of a trip. I don't. I, maybe we can ask one of the guys later if they know any more insight about it. And then the MVP yeah. was Vladdy Dominican. So, like, world yeah. game, man. Like, they've been saying it for years, but tonight or last night was, like, seemed like kind of the first night where you're like, yeah, it really is. And then Liam Hendricks became the first Australian to go to an All-Star game twice. Um, Yusei Kokuchi was also on the roster. Him and Otani went to the same high school. So like, oh, really? yeah, a lot That's of really cool. cool shit to happen when he came across. Um, but the most important yeah. thing, the AL got the win eight years in a row. Yeah. Um, and it was a good time. It was a, a the presentation is still the eh, Joe Buck kind of asking sure. weird questions to Chris Bryant about like getting traded while he's in the outfield. I'm like, yeah, that what that was so weird. Like, like of all the questions you asked, that's it. Like, this is supposed to be like fun and like you know, like for the family and whatever. And that you're gonna just take it, take it that direction. But you know, I, I'm sure his producers uh, pressured him into that. Oh I yeah, guarantee that was not his choice. Yeah, it was. It, it seemed like a big time producer play. Um, what what was like kind of your takeaways from it? Did did you were you able to watch the whole game or? I was only able to watch part of it because I was working, and then me and Xavier, my buddy Xavier, shout out Xavier Gomez, uh, who listens to the um, we watched part of it at a bar, which was pretty cool, um, um, and then I had to hop on a plane, fl- uh, plane, plane, a plane, uh, that's a classic Chris Cody right there, a, a combination of two plane flight. a plane, um, back, to, back to Los Angeles, so I didn't catch the rest of it, but from what I saw... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was cool. It, I, I would say, like, it, it's definitely biased, but my favorite part was um, in the first inning that Matt Olson was in. They left Marcus Simeon in, and the first at-bat of the game was a ground out to Marcus Simeon, and he throws it over first. So it's like, oh, that was cute. And then another biased thing was the at the home run derby, uh, Marcus, Matt Olson, and Liam Hendricks sat together and watched the game. And Bassett. Showed that on camera. Um, and Chris Bassett, sorry. So, yeah, four of them, sorry. There um, was six. So that was pretty cool. There was six A's in the All-Star game, including former A's. Who were the other two? Uh, Wendell and Matt Muncy. Oh, Joey Wendell. Oh, well, yeah, he was Joey the last never, minute. He was the last did he ever, I guess he did play a couple games, huh? For the A's. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, they no, um, I couldn't remember if he actually got called up or not. Yeah, it was. I was watching a pregame of the, either. I can't remember if it was a home run derby or if it was the actual All Star game. They're interviewing Ollie. He's like, "Yeah, it's cool to be on the field with Wendell again." Mm-hmm. Also, oh yeah, because they came up through the farm system together. That's a good point. Olsen's yeah. got such like kind of a. He kind of sounds like Patrick Mahomes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not as Kermit the Froggy, but I, when I first heard him talk, it's like. I don't. I don't know if there's not if there's much going on in this dude's head, but like the more I hear him, he's definitely a very intelligent guy. I think he's just a really soft-spoken dude. Like, yeah, yeah, like absolutely. A quiet, a quiet giant. Um, but going back to um, the celebration of uh, diversity, um, <laughs> I think the response from I, I forgot who it was who tweeted that out about like noticing that Vlad 
from Dominican Republic was the MVP. Um, winning pitcher from Japan, Otani, and then closer um, Australia, uh, Hendricks. I forgot who was that that pointed it out. Um, uh, I want to say it's Danny Vietti. If it is, shout out. If not, I'm sorry for whoever forgot who get, got credit to that. Um, I think and seeing the reaction on 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 social media to like celebrating that and that diversity, maybe it was a big fuck you to Stephen A. But I think that shows Stephen what Stephen A. said on the first take a couple days ago could not be further from the truth. In in actuality, in my opinion, which I was telling you the other day, Julio, it's like the it's like 180, like completely wrong. Like I like if anything, the one way you're gonna get the target audience that you're trying to get to watch your game that you've lost over the past 10 years um, is to put people like that and, and see like these, these stars, like, you know, be like, Oh, look at that. Like someone who looks like me can be that good at this game. Like it's just, it doesn't make it more of a worldly game. It's just that those comments were just like so ignorant and just like old man, just like get off my porch, like get off my lawn type of shit. There was Even a lot. He's not a boomer. He sounded like a boomer. There was a lot of dunking on Stephen A. this past weekend because of like mm-hmm. how disrespectful he was about Team Nigeria for beating Team USA and in, in the yeah. Olympics qualifiers as well, or the prelims, wherever they were. Yeah. Um, but like Jeff Passon put up a really good point, and he was talking. He's like, "Yeah, my son's 10, 11 years old. His favorite players are Otani and Tatis." And he's like, mm-hmm. "Because like, dude, it doesn't matter." Like. It doesn't matter in baseball. It doesn't matter what language you speak when you're a fan because it's yeah. you watch and you see these th- incredible things that like these guys are doing, and that's how you become a fan of the people. And mm-hmm. there's an old quote from Ichiro, which there's always a great quote by Ichiro. Um, my a lot fa- of funny quotes, <laughs> too. There's a quote. There was one that was going around, real quick tangent, of he was interviewing with Bob Costas, and he was like, what's yeah. your favorite joke? He's all Kansas City in August is hotter than two squirrels in a fucking wool sock. <laughs> that video is hilarious. And Bob Costas just like doesn't like keep like, coming. What? He just starts dying laughing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he said he's like, each girl can speak English. He could, I think he can speak pretty good and he's fluent. But he, there was an old quote where he was saying like, when I am speaking to like the media, this is going to go out to the world. I want to be perfect. Because, yeah. like, this is my representation. This is who I am. And, like, and I don't want it to get twisted up. And if you're speaking, and you're, even if you are good, you want to be great at speaking a certain language to be all that comfortable with it. So, like, it may, that's why the people have interpreters. And um, it's it's just it's a weird sight to see. And now and, – and, and that really resonated with Otani, and he reiterated that yeah. when he first came to the league. And a big thing, too, is I've seen some – put the counter argument saying, well, like, well, how come Latin players don't get that same treatment as mm-hmm. having the interpreters from day one kind of thing. And I think you can kind of say that like, uh, one, I think Spanish is a way more dominant language in Japan than that for most of these times when these guys are in whatever clubhouse they're in, the odds are it's going to be a few people that are going to know Spanish. And I, I, you can even say that I think a majority of, okay, that's going a little too far. I would say a good chunk of people in the clubhouse at least know some licks of Spanish. Yeah, and, I, and that makes you know to kind of go at that point. But and also 
having the surrounding countries this this is just a, a, a hypothesis this is not factual but yeah. i would assume like you know those latin countries being so close to america they do hear english from time to time so they know certain words and phrases and stuff like that to resonate but i mean like cespedes had a translator since the moment that he came in the league so like i don't, I don't necessarily agree would say that's so true but yeah i don't know maybe yeah who knows but um before we move on to pete alonzo backs back home run derby champion dude was having a ball it was so much juice watch him just like bobbing his yeah, head the music's dude, having a good time kid tore his acl run, on the outfield but he was still having fun <laughs> the home run derby in general was so much fun to watch because it was like uh it was just like a smack fest. Like there was so many home runs during this entire home run derby. It was fucking dope. Like like the fucking uh, the swing off that uh, that uh, Mancini and Olson had twenty like fifty almost fifty home runs t- total. Olson got robbed, man. It sucks. Yeah. He would have won the like shitty end of the draw. It, yeah. Um, but then also too. Uh, Otani got robbed too. Why? So like the two biggest names in the all in in the home run derby went off in the first round. I get it. Like the seating base was is based on like how like the home run like total in the season. But like you want to see Juan Soto face off against Otani in the final. You don't want to see that in the first fucking round. That's it's all, dude. Otani's batting or uh, BP coach sucked. Dude was terrible. Yeah. But like the guy that yeah. Pete Alonso had. Did you see like his heat chart? Like. <clears throat> Everything was like up, like up middle, up middle, up middle, up oh, middle. Yeah? It was awesome. Um, but yeah, thank you, Pete Alonzo. You won me $140 for being a part of the uh, Home Run Derby draw with some homies. Appreciate it. Um, all right, Julio, let's move on. Um, some uh, pretty bad news. Um, one of the biggest stars in the game, Ronald Acuna. Not a, not Acuna, Acuna to that um, <laughs> stubborn idiot fan who didn't know how to pronounce the name trolling uh bryce harper anyway i digress ronald acuna tore his acl um this past week merely two days before the all-star weekend just an epic blow for that braves team um freddie freeman you know he's gotten a lot better but he hasn't been having the most consistent season so i don't know where did where do you think this puts them now so one of the points I'm, I'm going to bring it up again later is I I've said I've brought this up on our Twitter account too, and saying that like yeah. the A's the reason like dude the fact that the A's are where they're at despite all these injuries that have happened shows how great like of a unit this team is and how great Bowmel manages it because like yeah case in point the Braves the Braves have had you got the whole Azuna situation. You have Mike Soroka, I think, is done for the year as well. Um, these, like, young pitchers are all hurt, and they, they're not coming up right now. You Like you said, Freddie Freeman's off to a really slow start. And um, it, it shows. It shows in their record. Let me, I don't have the standings in front of me, but... Um, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Keep going. Yeah, but they're not in first. This is a team that... Chris and I thought... I, I, actually, I think we have them finishing second in the NL East. But um, they are in uh, third place, 40, 44 and 45 behind Philly, who ha- is 44 and 44. And then the Mets are 47 and 40. Yeah. So like the division still reachable, but without him Nats there, are not too far behind though. Julio 42 and 47. Sorry. And the Marlins aren't not, they're not a punching bag either. They got the, no. they got the arms there. They got pitching. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting 
I wouldn't be shocked if you kind of see them become sellers by the time the trade deadline comes around. Uh, if I remember right, um, oh shit, Freddie Freeman's going to be a free agent. He's not going anywhere. Um, but Charlie Morin is projected to be a free agent. Oh my god, the Bucks just took the league with a Connaughton. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, oh my god. Uh, Dansby it? Swanson um, is a free agent next season, not this season, but next season. He has arbitration this season. He could be a seller. He's having an amazing year. But yeah. Um, well, amazing for him. Yeah, Camargo, <laughs> Drew Smiley, Charlie Morin, Travis Darnell. Uh, Tanner Roark, which I, I don't think he's even on the team in the moment, but these are guys I could just see like that they're gonna ship it. Like if they don't see things kind of pick up within the next week, if they like, all right, let's just chuck it. Come back next year, see what we can get for these guys, especially somebody like Charlie Morin. People are gonna camp you- for him. One thousand percent. Who do you think is untouchable? I mean, obviously Acuna. They just paid him. Freddie Freeman probably, and would you say Ozzy Albies is probably yeah. the only other one? And then, yeah, those those three. Um, maybe Dansby. I don't know. It's Dansby's it, got one more year left, dude. I the the and he's kind of been a disappointment though, right? But I could see a team that doesn't want to be a part of this like shortstop Armageddon in the off season. Where yeah. you got like Correa, Seager, um, mm-hmm. Story, Simeon are all going to be free agents again. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we just don't even want to deal with it. We're just going to straight up trade for Danzy Swanson right now and see what we can work out of it. I could see that happening. But at the same time, it's like, actually, that makes more sense. Because it's like, if Freddie Freeman is going to be free agent, um, you're going to pay him as much as you can. That's, you know, him and Acuna are your future, even though Freddie's... Yeah. 2930. Um yeah, it's gonna they have some really tough moves. And that division is they're getting healthier again. Um uh, especially like the Mets are getting healthier. The, the Phillies, I think, will there seems like they're kind of figuring things out. And yeah. um it's this division's not gonna get any easier. I, I wouldn't be shocked to sell. It just and also really sucked, especially like the all-star game last night. Like Acuna should have been out there, man. Like and Matt just him and Tatis out there and, and on the field at the same time would have been so cool, but mm-hmm. shit to see it, man. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the last, uh, last piece of the big three. Uh, Major League Baseball has committed to $150 million to the Players Alliance. Uh, maybe you can go more in depth than that. Yeah, absolutely. So the Players Alliance is actually a coalition of, sh- of sorts that was kind of developed within this last year. Uh, spearheaded by a few former major leaguers, including uh, uh, Vallejo Great, shout out to Valley Joe, CC Zabathia, as well as um, former Yankee Evander Great. Kane. Evander Kane? Mm-hmm. Of the San Jose Sharks. He's in the Players Alliance, but it's for the ML. Oh, oh I, I, thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought yeah. it was nationwide, isn't it? Yeah, isn't my it mistake. All, all my mistake. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. Curtis Granderson, former yeah. Tiger Yankee Great. Uh, pretty much a big reason why this happened is they want to kind of bring the sport of baseball and make it easier for uh, disenfranch- there are people who don't have the opportunity to play baseball because, you know, news like, excuse me, breaking news, baseball is a super expensive sport and a lot of communities don't have the ability to play it. 
And, and in um, order to play at a high level, you have to play travel ball, which is even more expensive. Yeah, but think about it. If you're, let's say, if you're a family who is maybe lower, like lower middle class, right? And your kid wants to play baseball. If you're, you're going to have to get them cleats, you're going to have to get them a glove, you're going to have to get them a bat. And that alone is going to cost you at least 500 Yeah, for all that stuff together. And this coalition is kind of built together to make it easier for these communities to have access so they can build it up. And because, well, just like with everything in life, if you kind of start it from the roots, you get from the seeds and you really develop these programs, you start Mm -hmm. seeing the repercussions of it years later. We're not going to see it tomorrow, but you're going to see it years down the line. If you look at like, think about like all these like uh, Caribbean uh, player orgs that were launched where like you had the a's had something in the dominican and so on and so forth yeah now you're seeing it now you're seeing it so yeah kudos mlb we've all shitted on um manfred for a lot because he deserves it especially after some of these comments he made about the whole stadium situation but for this you got to give it to them they're putting their money where their mouth is kudos I don't want to give him too credit, too much credit, because this is a very obvious, um, in terms of the timing of it, kind of a PR move to distract from other bullshit. But you know, I'm glad that you know, and you, this is it's kind of like the same way that I feel about like like racism and like um, other stuff like that. Like you can't be mad at these people for trying for trying to noticing and trying to make the change. So so maybe that's a negative way to look at it, because then then you're you're kind of making them the enemy and isn't the point to change the world not to like to like make people suffer for past like i don't know crimes for like a better word so this is great i'm very very yeah it's great and the money actually came from baseball owners so wow john fisher actually pitched john fisher let's be real he's like i can give you 15 million but it's gonna be over like 20 years he's like no he's probably like i mean if i have to like, I got know. a $500 Gap gift card with your name on it, pal. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can get so okay. many shorts. How about this? How about this? I'll just donate some clothes, and but it'll be the equivalent of $15 million. <laughs> we've, got, we've got some 2017 4th of July Old Navy shirts for you. <laughs> all right. Um, all oh right, that'll God. take us to the break. Um, a, a little bit longer second half of this podcast, um, per usual, to the listeners because um, – we have two guests, and we really want to get into some stuff with them. Um, it's going to be a great um, conversation. So uh, stick around, please. Um, and you can find out who the mystery guests are. Uh, we'll be right back. What a great way to start the podcast. Alex Espinosa over here messing up the start of our I know, start- technical difficulties, <laughs> human error. Human error. This guy over here, <laughs> professional journalist, Maya. I'm just kidding. Oh, not at all. Uh, we're, uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Um, we are recording this on Wednesday, July 14th. Um, NBA Finals just ended, which is cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, like we said, we have two special guests um, with us today. We're doing kind of a cross-pod uh crossover mega pod yeah mega pod dude <laughs> we got we and got your powers po- combined <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got three A's podcasts going on here uh first off we got jason burke of course of locked on a's podcast member of the locked on podcast network um his twitter handle is locked on a's at locked on a's or at by jason b 
Thanks for fucking joining us, Jason. We really appreciate it, man. I am so happy to be here because you guys are always fantastic and, you know, promoting my stuff. And I try to do the same for you guys. And we, we got another guy you haven't met. Well, I mean, you kind of mentioned him. You haven't like introduced him yet. <laughs> so this is just uh, very exciting. I love talking about the A's. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. you guys. Absolutely. And on that note, we also have Alex Espinoza, uh, the uh, writer of the Ricky Henderson of blogs. Also the Ricky Henderson oh, yeah. of podcast. His Twitter is at Ricky blog. Thank you, Alex, yeah, for joining us. You, uh, you started you our, our uh, segment just perfectly. There's lots of laughs. Yeah, with some uh, <laughs> spoiler sorry, alert. Dude, sorry, I'm messing it, messing it all up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and now, <laughs> no, but thank you guys. This is fun, dude. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. No, man, man. that's what we fun, do here. Dude. We have yeah. fun. We joke around. Yeah. That's what our and, pod's about. And Absolutely. now the Ricky Henderson of YouTube, right? Absolutely. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I started up there. I mean, all the kids are on YouTube now, so you gotta you gotta be on YouTube. You know? I, I you so up. I learned it pretty quickly because, like, uh, when we initially started out, I would post our stuff on the A subreddit, and someone's yeah. like, "Hey, you know what? Could you actually post it on YouTube? Because it's actually way easier." And I've noticed for me personally, I find it easier doing it on YouTube working from home right now because it's yeah. like with yeah. podcasts, I'm always like in my car or whatever. But like, no, like I'm just chilling and want to throw something on YouTube, so. It adds another it's the element. Future, yeah, man. It's fun, dude. It's yeah. The future, man. Yeah. I'm trying to do some John Boy breakdowns. Oh, you know, that's fun. Ooh, there you go. I'm trying to get my John Boy on. You know, it's fun, dude. So, like, yeah. me and Julio are big fans of the Lebertard show. And, like, they started doing their stuff on YouTube. I just have it on the background, like, while I'm working all day. It's fucking great. Like, yeah. yeah. And I, I get it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, uh, let, should, we, should we jump into it, fellas? We're, um, we're going to start off Icebreaker. You ready? You're about to head into the Coliseum. What do you, where's your, your, your ticket just got scanned. You got uh, the Trident giveaway or whatever it is going to be in next month. Where's your first stop? Alex, you go first. Uh, all right. Well, I, I guess it kind of depends on, like, how early. I, like, I don't know. How much time? We're, like, is the yeah, game say you got, like, okay. Are okay. you <laughs> tailgating in the parking lot? Or is it he early? You need some context. Like, if, okay, so. I say you if, got, if I got some 20 minutes until first pitch. <laughs> I'm gonna get a beer. I'm gonna right. get a beer. I'm gonna get the clearest, the closest beer stand to my uh, to my seat. I'll probably go get a brewski. There we go. Or two ski. All right. Or two ski. Yeah. All right, Jason. <laughs> I am uh, probably going straight to my seat because I'm running behind and I want to see all of the pitches. I am a bad baseball fan. I like going and just watching the game. I don't like having you know. Maybe I'll grab a soda at some point or something. But I'm just sitting there to watch the game, cheer for the team. Uh, I'm not there for you know like going to Oracle Park where it's get as drunk as possible. Not my thing. I, I want to sit there and watch the baseball game. <laughs> That's because oh. it's all those tech nerds who don't aren't baseball fans just trying to look for something to do on Wednesday night. Yeah, I got, I'm getting my first Patagonia and getting my Allbirds on and we're going to go. But uh, That's what's in their team's door. Wait, question, Jason, are you one of the guys that are, are you a, a keep score while you watch type of guy? Scorekeeper, no. I have done it before, but I usually get distracted for at least half an inning and then yeah. everything just ruins. So I'm like, all right, well, that didn't happen. If I'm <laughs> by myself, yes. But usually if I'm like with my wife or something, I'm like, we're here to be together and, you know, enjoy the baseball game together. Yeah. So I, I usually don't if I'm with anybody. It blows my mind because to this day, I still like I'll go to ballparks around the country and there's still like so many people like old people, older people, no offense, older people 
Uh, I'm not saying you're an old. This is an old person thing. I'm just saying. Older, older. Well, I don't want. I don't want it to be like this is like an old person hobby, but like older people, and they they have like what used to be like the you know headphones with like the the portable oh, radio. The metal but now it's like head, yeah. now it's like yeah. AirPods. And those little fuzzy, those fuzzy. Yeah, headphones. but now they're like they're revolutionizing like technology. These old people. I'm just kidding. Um, and they have like AirPods in, and they're listening to it on the radio, and they have their iPad out, and they're doing they're keeping score on their iPad. It's like, still, still people do it, and I it's just, just like I don't know. It's so fucking. Cool. I just picture these old. You say that old people are doing it. Just these old people with their AirPods Pro, with like their like NMDs on, and dude, like, just like the I've, old people just I've trip out of nowhere. <laughs> I've seen it. Like, I'm just saying. No, it happened. Okay, now what game was that at? Was that in Oakland or was that LA or like uh, in the Angel? Going to Angels games, they're always they're the boringest. You nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, In particular, it was an Angels game. It was a guy up in like the third deck, just sitting (laughs) right behind home plate, just doing his thing. Yeah. Oh God! I appreciate those people. I appreciate those people. No. You know, they're listening to the radio, making sure, like, oh, that was an E four. That was not a E. That was an E six. That was an E four. That was a pass ball. It's accuracy. Not a, not a wild pitch, but that was a pass ball. You know, it's like accuracy. That. I will say, I have pointed those people out to my wife for years. I'm like, that's me when we get older. I'm doing that, just so you know. <laughs> I will say the cool feature about because, like, since we're in both in LA, um, we use MLB TV to watch the games. Hearing the radio broadcasts over factual video has been awesome because yeah. like as much as much as love like Kuiper and Fossey and Braden, like it's a little more thorough on radio side because they kind of have to do a little more pool with it. It's like, yeah, I get to listen to Kenny Korak. Yeah, I yeah, get it. Korak, dude. I love Korak, dude. Korak's my favorite. I, I love all the broadcasters, but, but Korak's my oh, favorite. Oh yeah. Dude. It's something so like therapeutic about hearing Korak. Um, so let's let's uh, let's start off with or let's uh, let's jump into another question because uh, and just get to know you guys a little bit more. Um, so what made you want to get into A's coverage, uh, Jason? Let's start with you. Uh, you know, obviously you wanted to do a podcast, but like, what 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 is it about um, one doing a podcast and one and two doing it uh, about the A's? I'd been blogging about the A's starting in like 2013 or so, and you know, grew up an A's fan, love baseball, and yeah. So obviously, I want to do it. Uh, anything regarding the A's, I want to be there providing my voice for it. But I could talk about any team if you wanted me to. Uh, it's just trying to get into the industry. So trying to get a little bit, you know, broader strokes. But for this particular gig, I was actually reached out to by some people that I had worked out, uh, worked with before. And they're like, hey, you want to host this podcast? I was like, sure. I've never done that before. Let's get into it. <laughs> and uh, so the, if you listen to like the first 50 or so episode, that is me just getting my legs under me. And be like, I, yeah, I'm learning how to edit now. And then once I found out how I how to edit the podcast, I think that that's when I started getting a little bit more confidence. And now I'll just write down some notes. I'm like, all right, I'm going to talk for half an hour. Let's go mm-hmm. and do that, you know, five days a week. And it's been a lot of fun. But it's you know, I, I love talking about the A's, talking about baseball in general and uh, sometimes it's hard for me as just enjoying baseball in general to keep it to just the A's for locked on A's. Cause yeah. I'm like, yeah, I want to talk about that Fernando Tatis catch or, you know, whatever else happened. But do um, they, do they know. not let you talk about like national I mean, news that much? I probably could. I'm mean, national news. Yes. If do it's it. something do bigger, <laughs> but uh, if it's, you know, like uh, other stuff, I'm like, yeah, I, I want to stay true to the brand of yeah. being locked on A's. So it's more of a, my choice than a, you know, any declaration that they've given me. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of where I am. I might start instituting like a 
major league Mondays or something like that, where for the third segment, I'm talking about whatever the hell I want to. And it's just baseball related. And I thought that that would be fun, but yeah, it's just being an A's fan and thinking that I have a, di a different kind of a voice that's in general media. Cause you get, you know, a lot of the people from the chronicle uh, and Susan Slusser being gone has opened up opportunities for all of us. I think because yeah. now it's like, all right, well now there's a lot more room to grow and create your own niche. And that's, and I love Susan, but oh man, there is so much more oxygen in the room right, right now. And I think that that's kind of fun. Which is kind of cool for, for A's fans. They get a variety of, of that stuff and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Alex, it's what about take you? Take your pick, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just got tapped into, like, the whole podcast scene within the past year. And, dude, there's so many A's podcasts out there. It's really cool. <laughs> I really like it, you know? It's awesome. This is your COVID hobby? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, basically, that's how I was like, well, I got a lot of time on my hands. Might as well start up an A's podcast. Um, but, no, I, I mean, yeah, like like Jason, yeah, I grew up rooting for the A's. Uh, you know, I grew up in the East Bay. Um, I, I was in Alameda till I was six, and I just remember going to, like, Coliseum games when I was super young and just thinking, like, this is, like, the most – I don't know. It just, like, struck me in a way that nothing else did. Um, and then I, I became, like, super obsessed when I was probably, like, 13, like, um, like when the Big Three came up. So I was born in 87, and the Big Three came up in, like, 2000. Hell and it yeah. was, like, prime time for me to get obsessed. You That's know, me and Julio's team, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 2000. <laughs> I mean, that was the team. I mean, I, I followed them, you know, all that whole time. But then, like, I really became, like, super obsessed in that time. Um, and then in 2010, I was Jane Lee's intern for MLB.com. Like, you know, every summer they do an internship program. Uh, I was the A's intern. Oh, wait, 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 wait. What summer? Yeah. Uh, 2010. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Interesting. Yeah, was Jane, I, I was 2013. Was Jane... Oh, no yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. summer 2013, I, I was an intern there. I was a, I was yeah. a, a, a news intern, though. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah anyway, right on. Sorry, keep yeah, going. I, no, yeah, so, no, it's, it was fun. That's how I got my foot in the door, and that was, like a, that was a really sick opportunity. You got to, you know, go to the locker rooms yeah. and talk to these people, you know? Like, it was hella fun. Uh, you know, I've just kind of been freelancing ever since, yeah, so... Um, and then last year I started Ricky Henderson of Blogs, Ricky Henderson of Podcasts. Uh, but yeah, I worked for like MLB.com, The Athletic, um, and then NBC Sports Bay Area till a, a couple months ago. Yeah. What What so. made you want to name it the Ricky Henderson of Blogs? I've always wondered this. Uh, I just well, started as like kind of a joke. Like I thought it was kind of stupid and funny. It was like the greatest, you know. It was like what's like <laughs> the greatest Oakland the A of all like, time. Yeah, it's like like, yeah. like the like, yeah, the Ricky's like like to me, Ricky's the greatest player of all time. So I was like, oh. It's it's not the Ricky Henderson it's not Ricky Henderson's podcast it's the Ricky Henderson of podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> now it's like I don't know. Ha have you heard? Because I know you you know you got the connections throughout the the org now. Have you heard like Ricky say something about it yet? No, actually, I, I need to. I, I'm at the point now where I kind of want to reach out to him and be like, yo, it's <laughs> like. <laughs> It's okay. Like, it, it's, it's going to get, like, I don't know. If I ever have that conversation, I think it's a good thing. Ricky's lawyer is going to be coming after you, Alex. Ricky's. That, <laughs> if that ever happens, that'd be. Ricky don't know what podcast is. Yeah, I'm going to call the Terrence Long a podcast. Terrence Long podcast. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe you, can, maybe you can ask your boy Cavill to hook you up. But I don't know. After that, pressing him with that last question, I don't, I don't know if he would help you. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, no, just kidding. Cool. I'm just kidding. Yeah, he's cool. He's he's used to it, you know. He's a politician. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think it'd be great if you had like a press pass that had the Ricky Henderson of blogs on it, oh and you went God. up to Ricky Henderson and were like, "Hey, like, hey, hey dude, where are you from?" And he's like, "This is where I'm from." <laughs> hey, hey, I'm Ricky, just using I'm, your uh, name, image, and likeness. You know, <laughs> that's all I'm doing. It's like the NCAA thing, but Ricky. Hey, know? Ricky, can I ask you a quick question? Alex, Alex Spinoza, Ricky Henderson of blogs. He'll just be like, "Wait, what? He's like what? What? <laughs> what did you you're, say? you're doing like the Wayne's World Two thing with the press pass." 
You're like, oh, is that Rangel the one? Yeah. <laughs> so, or the A's would be like, well, it's funny because the, the, the A's know the name of my podcast yeah. at this point, and they haven't said anything. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna, you know, uh, it's better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission or whatever. Yeah, say, yeah. something like that. You know, so 100. It, it's kind of funny because, like you said, like this was kind of a quarantine hobby for you. It was the same thing with us. Yeah. So Chris has a yeah. uh, Chris has had a, his own podcast. Shout out to the Magic Hour. Uh, how long have you had running for? Like, what, two, three years? I, I know, started kinda... in 2018. Yeah. And, and I was... It's just a general sports podcast. I just... I would just talk my friends' ears off on sports and just make my own podcast. But, and yeah. I would... <laughs> so, like, Chris and I, we've known each other for 25 years. His brother and I were, like, in kindergarten together in Antioch. So, like, that's kind of origin. So, like... I would be on a show all the time, and I'd always bug him, like, dude, we should do an A's pod. We should, like, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be a great space. It's good to be focused, yeah. you know? It's, it's like, yeah. it, it, there's so many things out there. It's like, you kind of have to be focused, yeah. I feel So, like, like yeah, you know, sure. COVID hit, we were stuck at home, and then when baseball came back, I'm like, dude, I'm like, this is it. Sure. Like, this is the time. We should do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, fun, it's awesome. Dude. I love it's it. It's fun. It's, it's like a fun, yeah, it's a fun hobby. It's a Wednesday it's night tradition, game. you know? It's a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> um, but, like, I think one thing talking about with like kind of going to the coliseum and now everybody's kind of covering the team i think the one thing that's kind of weighed on the both of us is the stadium situation and like it fucking sucks to be honest like there's the first few weeks it was so hard to watch the games because it was like it was just lingering in your head so like how did everybody kind of feel about that you know um uh, Chris, I kind of want to get your two cents, kind of from your perspective. I don't think we have too much to talk about it. But we like, just went from we just went from high to just low, just so fast. Dude, this <laughs> is we're stealing. I, I don't think it's a dire this situation. Is, I think this it's okay. is the A twenty four of pods. You know, like uncut gems. It's like, hey, good. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna dig a little deeper. We're gonna make this a little sad, a little bit, or pessimistic. You know. I mean, I think that everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about it. And it's tough because it's always on your mind. It's always brought up. Someone always tweets about it while you're watching the game. And I'm not going to lie. I look on Twitter when I watch the game. It's hard not to because you want to, like, kind of see the reaction. So, like, that, it's just, it's hard to get out of your head, to be honest with you. That's just, yeah, that's my opinion. Uh, I know uh, it stinks. Yeah. I've been going up and down. I've been riding that wave. Yeah. The first time, or when they first announced uh, Vegas and all the stuff, I was like, I mean, it feels like a ploy. And then they went to Vegas and there was the Cavill tweet from the Golden Knights game. And I was like, okay, yeah. this is the low point. And then, you know, getting back up and down. It's right now I'm feeling okay. I, I feel like there's some, a chance at least, as opposed to it being completely shut the door and all that stuff. Um, there, there are people smarter than me covering this stuff. So I, I try to get what I can and understand what I can, but uh, it, it's really hard to get, who's telling the truth and what's actually happening because it feels like everybody's lying in the media. So I, I think I no idea. The worst part about it too is as ACE fans, we're naturally pessimistic. We're pessimistic about every single thing that comes in our way. And I think just as Bay Area sports fans, yeah. you know, Alex, you got your Warriors shirt on. Everyone's like, oh, the Warriors is nice. I'm like, no, you know how much shit we had to deal with with the Warriors for all those years for them to get good. <laughs> yeah. So like, I think that's just kind of our natural state. That's how we are as, as, as a fandom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't think it says, I, I think they're ultimately going to come to a solution. I, I think the A's are doing all this posturing with Vegas because they actually do want to make a, a deal with Oakland happen. I think it's just way more lucrative for them in the long run. Like, uh, you know, Fisher stands to make more money if they develop something on the waterfront in Oakland where all this money is as opposed to going to Vegas and just building some 
you know, some some stadium, some indoor stadium on some in, dusty intersection in Vegas. I, I think it just makes more sense for them. Um, I, I think Casey Pratt tweeted today that they're about five hundred million dollars away from each yeah, other. Yeah, that was concerning. Which, which I think is that I I don't know when it comes to a twelve billion dollar negotiation. I think they they can figure this out, especially if the county gets involved uh, to help with the funding. Um, I think I I don't know. I I am cautiously optimistic. Obviously, like a lot a lot can happen. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's kind of it's funny sometimes when you watch the baseball game. You're like, oh yeah, this is a uh, this is actually what it's supposed to be about. You should only be worried about this. You shouldn't even be worried about the stadium, you know. But uh, that's life as an A's fan. I was, you know, <laughs> I was watching around the horn earlier, and like one of the last segments, uh, it was like A's. I'm like, oh, okay, let's see what they talk about. And of course, it was like. The yeah, I'm like, oh fuck! Now like, like they're Vegas, gone. the Las Vegas A's. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, and the weird thing is, like, it sounds. I haven't done like a ton of research, but it sounds like Vegas as like a community, like no, because all this stuff is coming about how they're already paying way too much for the Raiders stadium, and they're like, no, we don't want to get in this all over again. Yeah. From what it sounds like. So like <laughs> look at the Raider the Raiders are just burning everybody, dude. <laughs> I think my thing from why would the A's want to move to Vegas? And I know that that, that sounds stupid, but uh, I'll elaborate here. Um they'd be the third team in a very short span just being added to this market. So they're already not the the premier attraction. I think that there would be a lot of uh, casino owners that are like, no, we don't want a baseball team here because that's way more dates that are taking away from our profits. So I think that there would be more opposition in that regard. Maybe they go to Portland or something else and there's other options that they could explore, but it sounded like Vegas has been the boogeyman. And also the thing with Vegas, I think is that it is more of a commuter. Pl- you go there to, to visit. You don't, there's not a ton of people that live there that are going to be like, yes, I want this team and I don't already have a baseball team that I root for, you know? So it'd be a very strange place to build a baseball ball ballpark because everybody already has their connections to their other teams. They've moved from other places to Vegas with their affiliations already intact. Why would they choose the Oakland A's at that or the Las Vegas A's at that point? It doesn't make sense. I think that it makes a lot more sense to be rooted in Oakland. Ha. And 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 that's the that's the luxury that the Raiders have, where you can like if the Pat- Patriots come to town, you have like that income because you know it's just one game, one game a year that you can come into Vegas and like your boys from Boston can be like, let's go do a Vegas trip, and you know like you still have that, and you have that, and also they have the luxury of Los Angeles being four hours away, so the, they still have that famous. The A's don't have that, and the A's play how many games a, a year? You're not gonna get that that type of fanfare at least from from the opposing crowd uh it's going to be even tougher for oakland fans to to travel all the way down there but i will say that i've been to a golden knights sharks game before and the golden knights fans they really do rally around the team they love it but like you said to your point jason that was the first team there was just some kind of connection to that well and that was the first team and they were an expansion team so yeah. they didn't have and any they were good too yeah. right? and they were like and really yeah, good too was, right yeah. like they were like really but good. also straight up i don't i don't mean to to shit on hockey um the southern western region could give two shits less about hockey the grand scale like compared to you know north like the northeast and canada and just the northern regions nobody like you know i i i'm, I'm a sharks fan but like not 
really? Like, I'm a very casual Sharks fan. When they're I good, feel, I, I watch yeah, the, their, yeah, their playoff too. games. They're in the playoffs. Yeah, they're yeah. in the playoffs. And, like, yeah, because think about it. We're, we're, being a Sharks and an A's fan is just terrible. I've <laughs> rushed in the playoffs so many times. I can only do that for one team, and I chose the A's. Dude, so. there's a lot of crossover. When I was working for NBC doing their social, there's, like, a lot of the same fans who I would see on the, like, interacting mm-hmm. with the Sharks content and the A's content. Yeah. It's, like, very, it's a, it's a big crossover. think about it. Like, it. we all are, are in the East Bay. Like, how many, like, I've been to one Sharks game my whole life because it was a pain in the ass to get to San Jose from Antioch. Whereas <laughs> if I wanted to go to Oakland, you know, as a teenager cool like my parents could drop me off a bar with friends we could go to the game like you can't do that with sharks game it's just harder and like what's up in southern california it's the same thing people care about i i feel like there's more kings fans but like the ducks people don't care about the ducks unless they're doing good and they've been good for the last you know 10 15 years but but julio nevada is not southern california so like let's let's <laughs> yeah, associate that alone phoenix. right there phoenix the coyotes the same thing they've talked about relocating multiple times Phoenix is not Nevada, but all right, fair, fair. No, but I'm saying, Um, yeah, but I was saying the southern, western hemisphere, that little region. (laughs) You're going to call that whole thing a hemisphere? I was going to say hemisphere is pretty Uh, I mean, I was a communications uh, major, damn it. Let's, let's, okay. (laughs) Touche. Let's transition into some, uh, some more like baseball type of, uh, like the, you know, team talk. So, um, this has been on my mind recently. So I kind of wrote this question, um, because the A's have fallen pretty fast, um, in the standings a little bit. Bob Melvin has never made it past the ALDS. Clearly no success in the playoffs in general. What what is it what do you guys think it is about his management style and is it his management style that makes him not able to win um in the postseason? Maybe? Yeah. I, I think that here are my two thoughts. And I don't know if it's uh, one you can't really prove, so I have no idea. And then the other one is the maybe. Uh the maybe comes from like in last year's playoffs, it was uh, you know. The, the starter comes out, Yuzmero Petit comes in, and that is the game plan each and every time. And, you know, the race had success with it, but it was Nick Anderson, who's a much different pitcher than Yuzmero yeah. Petit. And it feels like the, the Astros had figured out Petit, but he was still continually, continually going to him. And it felt like you got to switch it up at some point and have a different plan of attack. But at the other, the other side of the coin is the amount of options that he has aren't, you know, limitless. It's not like he has the raised bullpen to work with where it's like, I can throw whoever I want to out there. They're going to get these outs. And I think like watching the giants in, you know, uh, 10, 12 and 14, they never had the best team in baseball, but a lot like the Astros, they would reach that other level in the playoffs. And I think that that could be something that has been hindering the A's of late. It's just, they don't have that next gear that they kick it into necessarily. Uh, the last few years where it's like, we're in the playoffs, let's go kick some ass. And that that's something that I think that he can't really do. He doesn't create the roster, but I think that with the bullpen is the thing that he would have the most control over. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Like I, I was, I, I saw this question. I, I went back and just kind of looked at like all the elimination games and just how they kind of got there. It was like, you know, 12 and 13 Verlander game five. It's like, shut him out. That's PTSD. Him. Right there with that guy. Uh, <laughs> I know. Well, and then fourteen was probably the probably the worst loss out of all of them. You know, the, the Kansas City loss. But I also think Melvin probably had the most to do with that one. Um, you know, he could have maybe taken Lester out a little bit earlier. Um, but then eighteen was like the opener. That's when that whole thing 
and that kind of blew up like Hendricks gave up an early dinger to judge and it's like you know uh, whatever um in 19 i think put that on mania and then t- 20 and yeah, maybe he maybe he could have managed the bullpen a little different so i i think when you look at bob melvin i think the two critiques are you know it's 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 his matchup thing like he's a matchup mm-hmm. guy you know he's all about um like yeah he is a, he, he's not like kevin cash like to that degree but it, there's like some middle ground between like an old school manager and a analytics guy and maybe yeah he his his bullpen matchups he just is relying on that um but also you know hindsight's 2020 um you know um so i i think if there is critique of him it's probably his bullpen management but in general like and also i, I just think the a's are kind of just built the way they're built is like they're good for 162 like that lineup over the course of a, a season we'll probably figure it out but like I don't know. It just doesn't. It's not the same when it's like Judge, you know, Stanton, um, you know, you know, all, all the Yankees, and then like you know Altuve, Correa, Springer, and then it's like you know Jed Lowry, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. Like yeah, like those guys are good, but there's not the same teeth. You know, it's like oh, those guys could all go 0 for four, and it's like not a big surprise. You know, so I, I just don't know if they're built, especially their lineup is built for the playoffs, um, ultimately. But if you're talking about Melvin, I think it comes down to his bullpen management. Um, if that's like the one critique, you know. I, I, for the record, I don't uh, I don't feel this way, but it has crossed my mind. <laughs> sure, so, Chris, so, you're, you're the one who wrote. Yeah, the Chris. But, I, mean, we, I just <laughs> want yeah, somebody I else is here to shit on Chris. But let's do it for so long. I wanted <laughs> no, but, to hear some other opinions no, but, but on it. But this, there is a, there at is, the end of every season, Melvin chorus. There always is. At the end of every season, there that they rally hard, and it's just like, dude, I will say. He's made two major mistakes in two big games. One, I will, I will, I'll give him a break on 2018 because he had some shit luck with the Manaya injury. He probably should have been starting that game. Although you go the next year and he shit the bed, so maybe that's not a bad, good idea. But, <laughs> um, and but 2014 is unexcusable. Like, okay, clearly they're stealing on us because this dude doesn't have a pickup, uh, pickoff move. And yeah. our our defensive catcher it's like seven bases that game. Or yeah, I think I read. And it's our, like that's a lot. And our defensive yeah. <laughs> catcher who can throw guys out gets hurt in the first inning, so we have to go to Derek Barton, who's not a good. He's oh. not a he's not a throw. Derek guy. Barton, Derek Barton, or Derek Norris. Norris sorry, oh. Derek, <laughs> Derek Norris. I was like, oh, oh, God. we were <laughs> all like, we were all like, what? maybe that's a Freudian slip of just. Uh, of just <laughs> I've already had enough PTSD um, hearing Justin Verlander. I don't yeah. want to hear Derek <laughs> Barton. No offense. Anyway. Is there Derek any- Norris who, who can't throw people out? So it's just like I mean I don't know, but yeah. but I, yeah. Anyway. So like, who was the guy that got injured in left field? Because was it Sam Fold or in center field in that game as well? They oh, had two big right. injuries that were defensive things, and I feel like because uh, it was Johnny was it Gomes Fold? and somebody else running in in left uh, left center ish, and that's when the the game winning run scored and. If whoever that was had not gotten hurt, you're like, I think that they make that catch. And then the Royals also maybe don't win that game. So there's a couple of really weird injuries where uh, even with the keeping Lester in, I feel like they still could have won that game, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like Lester gave up was charged with four runs, but they ended up giving up five more runs after yeah. that. So it's kind of I mean that game was still, just such a roller coaster. Yeah. I mean when they went into extra yeah. innings, like oh we scored a home run, great. Oh god, okay they scored two runs. <laughs> is Dude, it's it's really funny reading all those names like Giovanni Soto yeah. and Alberto. Oh that's Kiaspo. oh, yeah. like, oh classic Alberto Cayaspo. Is there anything with this? Uh, okay, let's say if no trades happen, if 
uh, we get guys back healthy, is there anything with this roster right now where you can be like, I could see things differently this year? I think the one thing I'm kind of a little, the only thing I'm a little optimistic about, and we've talked about this in the past, is like, they the guys that they had signed in the offseason have a ton of like World Series experience. Like, even though Mitch Moreland's been kind of a wash right now. I think just having him around, having Romo around, it's kind of important for a lot of these guys who haven't been in those situations. But at the same time, it's like Romo's gotten better over the year, but like Mitch Moreland has not looked like the guy we thought he was going to be, even though. Dude, Elvis too. Yeah, and yeah El- Elvis, Elvis the same way. Elvis has been series, awesome lately. Yeah. But yeah, yeah World Series experience. Lately, like, yeah. One question, where is Mitch Moreland? Do we know what happened to him yet? So yeah, have they? They haven't released his injury yet, right? It's just kind of like it's just kind of. We don't even of, know if it's an injury. We don't even know if it's an injury. Yeah, like, I guess I, that's, that's what I'm kind of worried. Something is, going on right there. Is, like like Melvin said, it wasn't an. I think he said it wasn't injury related. Yeah, I think he. Or and then I. So that's why and I, I, I I'm thinking that maybe he told reporters off the record what it is like. Hey, and, and then nobody. I don't know, but I, I haven't seen anything on it. Recently. I thought I heard. I I thought I read something from Alex Hall about. Uh, like he was giving updates like yeah he's doing like on the field like activities during warm up um but he's just like not ready to go yet but he didn't like disclose exactly what like was going on he's not on like the covid list or anything. so here's yeah. the thing chris and i are in the uh, fantasy baseball league together if you look at mitch moreland and that's and i'm not I, you know two cents take over what you want if you look we're him not up, reporters yeah we're not reporters you know allegedly allegedly here if you look him up on Yahoo, it says COVID, but it's like, if it was, we would have known. We would have known. I think it's something a lot more serious, and I hope everything goes okay with them, even with it's him or his family. And it's just like, yeah, it's weird. I, hopefully, we'll see him in yeah, this. It's kind of weird. I don't really want to speculate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. yeah, exactly. We're not TMZ over here reporting no. shit. You know what I mean? With the, with the, we can get a scoop. Who's the, we should all figure it out. Guys. What's the name of that, that TMZ guy that they always make fun of? He's got his, that guy who runs TMZ with his milkshake. Like, oh, yeah. Harvey, what's this? Harvey something. Yeah, yeah. Know. Of course his name is Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Show me a good Harvey in the history of ever. <laughs> I mean, can I tell? Harvey Dent. Fine. Harvey, Harvey yeah. Dent was good for him. Harvey can't tell. Yeah, there you go. He go. plays a mobster a lot, though, so maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something. Yeah, maybe. I'm he not going to speculate, cool though. like a good guy. That's true. That's true. So <laughs> we all love a good hot take, right? You know, the hot take, the spicy, the take, the better. Uh, so <laughs> we... <laughs> so with Mitch, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Getting ready. <laughs> so we were originally, we cut this question in half. We were going to say the first, who's your first half MVP? I think we can all can agree. Ollie from more. It's going to be Ollie or Bassett, more or less. I want... Yes, or, or I could also make an argument for Mark Canna because yes. he left okay. the lineup yeah. and they have kind of fallen apart. And Absolutely. Is it necessarily correlated? I don't know, but that would be my only other suggestion. Absolutely, that's a that's a fantastic option. I think that'd be taking the use the the word most valuable um, extremely literal. I, but I I would agree. I would agree. I mean, a lot of people had um, like baseball bloggers had Cannon as like as an all star. Like, even, like, if it wasn't for injuries, like, he should have been on that team because yeah. of, like, how important he is, like, in terms of, like, a leadoff spot and all that stuff. But we're not, we're not going to have logic here. This is all spice takes only, gentlemen, okay? Spice so takes right only. From straight from the right gut. Right from the gut. <laughs> Who do you think, and I'm going to write this down and we're going to hold it against each other. Who do you oh, think God. is the second half MVP of the A's? I'll go with Bassett. I mean, I know it's fucking cop out. I know it's a cop out, but I, I really think he is just 
in a groove right now, and he is like a, like a season-long groove. And like, um, I don't know, if some crusty old sports writer, I forget who, t- he always told me like, look at innings pitch, like see who's got the most innings pitch if you're a starter. And I think he leads the league in innings pitch right now. So it's like that doesn't surprise like, me. He, like, at that's all. that's his job. Like that's like the, you know, and he uh, and I don't know. I I feel like you know. Just because of his career path, how he's up and down, like like everybody's rooting for him. So when he's on there, and you know he's given like one ten, like I don't know, it's kind of it's it's fun. Like the team, like plays like he's the ace, you know, when he's on there. I know Manaya's been right there with him all season, but I'll probably go Bassett. I dig Are it. Are we including the postseason in the second half or no? I'm sorry. Say it again. Hmm. Are we including the postseason in the second half uh, MVP, or That's a good if they question. make it to the postseason? If they make it. Oh God, I hate that. But yes, well, I'll say yes. No, I, hate, I, hate Chris's, I hate Chris's comment, the if comment, but yours, I'll say yes. Okay. <laughs> Here's my prediction for MVP and also who could actually shine in the postseason, and that's James Caprillion. I think that he's a big Love old guy. That's spicy. That's spicy. Let's go. That is hot. That's my boy. That's my boy. Big game, James. Big game. And I don't know, like, I assume that, I don't know if you guys want to get into it, but uh, constructing the ace postseason roster, if they make it to an actual series, you got Bassett, you got Manaya. I assume you got Caprillion as your third guy. And then you can go, you know, Montas or Irvin in the bullpen, whichever way you want to go. I think that Caprillion's one of those starters, and I think that he is an excellent starter in a big game situation. I would love to see him have him start game one, have him be the wild card, being your best starter, start game two, and that being Bassett, and so that you can go get that win. James Caprillion's an excellent wild card for, you know, Garrett Cole or whoever the hell they're facing in a potential series. He, he does it, and I want to see him on a big stage. I think that he would absolutely dominate whoever he's facing. I think also, especially with how inconsistent Montaz can be, you definitely don't want him in that in in that that third or fourth spot, and and I, you got to go with consistency with Irvin and Caprillion. I I, lo- I love that take. I love it. Yeah. Dude, dude. One thing I thought about Bassett though is like, yeah, he, at Fenway he admitted he had nerves. I think at the All Star game he loaded the bases. He had nerves. So I'm thinking like, if he gets in That's that do point. or die situation, is he, is he gonna have nerves? You know, um, I mean, eventually he'll calm down. I think, but. He's like a really emotional guy, and he he's he said that he's said as much. So if he's taking the ball game one of a series, I wonder how he'll react to that situation. True. I was going to say, I, I think I'm pulling the stats up in front of me right now, but if I remember right, he had a pretty solid game in the wild card last year. Um, the, honestly, the biggest measure. Yeah, no, I would have to go back. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now, but I feel like the biggest reason I remember that is because he got his own card and MLB the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, dude, sorry. here we go. Here we go. I love how uh, so Alex. You know who's good in baseball? Uh, uh, oh crap! I just had a friend of me. So Alex, to go back to your most innings pitched, Zach Wheeler is first with 119 in two thirds. Bassett's a very close second, 118 on the dot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Front of me, where to go? Julio's a big game nerd, so that's why he brought that up. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, uh, against the White Sox, seven innings, six hits. One run, one walk. Yeah, like that would work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be all right. <laughs> uh, I'll straight up tell you guys, I'm <clears throat> definitely uh, filling it after these last couple starts. It's going to be the spiciest take. I think it's going to be Frankie. Um, wow. I think Frankie. Wow. So it, 
even spicier. Yeah, it, oh, yeah. I, no, I was to do. I'm all in on on James, Jason. Like as you know, we're we're the J name, so we got to stick together. <laughs> and like James Caprillon, the guy has just no fear. It, he mm-hmm. just looked so ready, and as a rookie, it's insane. I hope he's gonna. I hope he can be like a top nominee for Rookie of the Year because he absolutely deserves it. But like Frankie, dude, against the uh, Houston last week. I think that might have been like his best start as an A, just mm-hmm. like how he just completely shut them down after like when we needed him the most. Peter but he's started- got to string together three good starts because he doesn't. It's yeah. too good, yeah, and then it's one absolute good. shit bag. And well, then look, it's two I, good I did ones, a and then it's a research sh- on Frankie <laughs> at some point. Uh, I forget what his stats exactly were, but he had three blow up starts. Uh, one against the. Dodgers, I believe, in his first start. Then he had the Twins, and then there was one that he just had. The, so he's had three big blow-up starts, which have inflated his ERA. It was huge. against Texas. Yeah. Outside of that, he's also had like a three ERA outside of those three starts. So he's been a fairly decent pitcher if he's not giving up seven or eight runs. He's also yeah. got a lot of wins too. I mean, yeah, yeah he's got. Well, you know, you can say what you want about the wins, but I think the biggest thing too. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I feel like the first half schedule for the A's this season has just been brutal. You know, having to go against the Dodgers, having to go against Houston, what, three times, having to go against, uh, like, the Giants. And I think the Angels are a lot better than people give them credit for, at least offensively. So, like, I think he's had a re- this team is a really tough start, and it's kind of reflected as his stats. So, like, the rest of the season where you kind of get to go against the Twins again, you get to go against, um, we'll see what Seattle's going to be like in Texas. But, like, he's had, like, like, Jason said he's had those blow-up starts. If you kind of take that out from his last three starts, when he went against the Giants, he went to five innings, he gave up two runs. He went against Boston, five inning, 5.2 innings, two runs. Um, he went against Houston, 6.2 innings, one run. Like, I think he's he still has it. It's just like there's something. I don't know if it's a psychological thing. I don't know if it's yeah. whoever his battery mate is behind the plate to help him without. Like, there's something there. He still has it. It's just like someone's got to channel the energy. And if he can handle that in the second half with how well the rest of the rotation is, like, dude, that's going to be so great. Yeah, for sure. So mine is um, – it's Matt Chapman because it has to be Matt Chapman if we want yes. nice. to make a run. I was going to say if it was – yeah. I, I, <laughs> if we want to make Chapman. a run, it has to be him. You look at every other, like, big, big, uh, uh, big hitting team, big team in general – uh, around the league, they have two stars that like really just fucking hammer at home. Obviously, a lot of good players around them too. But like, he is—he's not playing well this season. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's still the hip. He has to get back to his top ten player in the league stud form in order for us to really have a shot at 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 a, you know at a, a World Series. That's that's just my opinion. Like he just—he's too important. Um, the team has been kind of built around him in the past couple of years. I think Olsen's been, you know, obviously kind of taking a lot of that weight, which is great. But he's got to he's got to be that dude. And and if he doesn't, I don't I don't think we have a shot. If I'm being completely honest. I mean, Elvis Andres is going to completely hit the snot out of the ball in the second half. So I think that it's going to be the Matt Olsen and Elvis Andres show for the rest of the season. I'm joking. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope dude, you're I, not. I don't think. I, I think it's Chapman too. I mean, he was hitting like 190 or 200 forever. Now he's up to like kind of 230s. And honestly, it's his slugging, which is yeah. uh, it because like the first like six weeks of the season, he was slugging like three something. And it's like Jesus. And then, uh, but the last like six weeks or whatever, I think he's kind of figured something out. I wonder if it has to do with his hip too, just kind of figuring himself out. Mm-hmm. But like if he if he can hit like 280 the rest of the way with some dingers and doubles, like. 
and plays defense, like, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That'd be great. Um, so did you guys watch the draft at all or pay attention to the draft at all? A little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. So a little bit, not too So much. what did you guys we'll start with you, Alex. What'd you what'd you guys think of think about it? Well, obviously the Max Muncy thing was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's up for the I memes, mean, man. I, I think draft for memes. I mean, it's one. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing that his name is Max Muncy, but the fact that they're the same birthday, like yeah. twelve whatever years apart, is so weird. Uh, that was pretty. And funny. he's a SoCal yeah. kid, like so. Thousand Oaks, just outside of LA, and Max Muncy plays yeah, for the Dodgers. Yeah. Like, there's just it's really creepy. Yeah. And he's like kind of he's like obviously when, if you're a kid and you're like oh there's another baseball player with my name he said he's followed him since his college career. Well, that's pretty funny. cool. So, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know, uh, which means he was probably like eight years old <laughs> or just whatever. Um, but uh, I, yeah, honestly, I, I don't. It's hard for me to pay attention to the MLB draft just because it's like it's a crapshoot. If the, like, dude, like I mean, I'm trying. To, I was just trying to think off the top of my head who the A's actually drafted and they have. It's like. Who is it like Chapman, Olsen, and Murphy or something? Like I don't Puck. know who else. We so we uh, yeah I mean Puck and Lizardo, but it's like you know they're not. We, like, when Lizardo was there. the the um, trying and trade, yeah, yeah. Doolittle, yeah yeah, oh, yeah that's okay. right. Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, two pods ago, we me and Julio went over the, their last six draft picks, and it's pretty like depressing. It's like obviously Kyler yeah, Murray's so in there, like, Logan Davidson's in there. Um, who else was in Soderstrom? there? From last year, he's that, a, that, okay, so that's, that's, awesome. okay, so that's what we're saying. Seems, that's the yeah, bright spot. Soderstrom that's the one legit. bright yeah, spot. Soderstrom, yeah, yeah. Soderstrom seems, seems legit, but it's like, you know, it's like, I, it's a crapshoot, and it's like, you know, the just the way the A's operate, they're always they're probably going to trade these guys anyway. So I mean, I it seems like yeah. it's it's I, it's yeah, yeah, it's all. I, I wait till they get to double A or triple A, then I'm like, oh okay, maybe these guys. Will make it it kind of all comes down to like the development side of it, and. um it, it, like yeah it's 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 kind of an interesting take as like an ace fan now that you're looking like these last 10 years where like a lot of these guys they didn't draft even if you go back into like the early 2010s or like the Burnley era with like donaldson and moss and sespi like they didn't draft any of those guys like these are and reddick they these are guys that just kind of like you know kind of groomed them and kind of figure it out and the guys they did draft were like Derek barton yeah actually no Derek barton was the like, no, he, he was a trade too yeah, so Tar- yeah, I think the A's are good at yeah, I think the A's are good at identifying talent in other organizations. Yeah. Like, oh, this guy's undervalued. We we should get him. 2017, so, yeah. Austin Beck. 2016, AJ Puck. Yeah. Potential, but you know we don't know. 2015, yeah. Richie Martin. It's just like who? Yeah. Hey, you want to say who 2018 was? I already did. Kyler Murray. <sighs> anyway, Jason, anyway, Jason, Jason. Jeez, okay. <laughs> I just always gotta remember I, I that. Think, I think Kyler. I think the A should bring him on. You know how they did the Will Ferrell spring training thing? Yeah. They should do that with Kyler Murray. He's Why in not? Arizona. Why not? He's in Arizona. Why not? I could. Uh, uh, I was in there for an at You know that uh, trade analyzer website where you're like, oh, let's just put together <laughs> some trades and see if they're viable. The, trade his value <laughs> is he still available Kimbrels, apparently. So you can actually trade the rights to Kyler Murray for actual Craig Kimbrell right now if you wanted to, according to that website. I don't. That's obviously not going to happen. But I just thought that that was hilarious. Oh wait, no, I saw I, I saw that tweet from you. That, that's right. Yeah. I, forgot, I forgot about that. I saw <laughs> Those that trade machines are dangerous, man. Because you're like, let's see, let's get weird. <laughs> well, I just but, but the I Cardinals use it more probably like don't a, want them as a valuation tool. I'm like, am I in the right ballpark with this? And <laughs> usually, it's like the A's have you know uh, Olson, Chapman, Murphy, and like Luzardo are like their highest guys, and then everybody else is like two or three. I'm like, they're not going to get anything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough. 
so I mean, I just one one pick that really just in like kind of caught my eye was the uh, Zach Goleff tweet or a uh, tweet with fuck uh, pick who's a third baseman, um, and he's not just like he's not a high school third baseman. He's fresh out of college, senior year, so he's gonna be ready MLB ready in a year and a half to two years. So like, I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I know Chapman has said that he's excited to test free agency, which kind of worries me a little bit. Well, I mean, they have to build up depth at some point, whether or not, you know, uh, Chapman is signing or not. You build up depth and then you trade it if you have to. Um, they could also go make a trade for some other third baseman if they wanted to. So yeah. I think that it's just so they, they can kind of fill out the rosters and get guys that they're excited about. And, um, you know, uh, right now in double A, they have three guys that are actually shortstops, but they play second, short and third. Uh, and you just kind of get the guys that you want. So I'm not reading a ton into it, I don't think. But, uh, I mean, y- you might be on the right track if, you know, he does actually leave or get traded. So, Yeah, I, I think the A's would love to have that problem. If, if he is majorly ready by the enchantment still on the team, they're probably in a good position because I just don't see Chapman staying longer than 2023, dude. I, just, I agree. I mean, Scott Boris is his agent, and um, I know how yeah, – I think people know how good Chapman – Chapman probably thinks he's still the best third baseman in the game, even though he's batting 230. Um, so I, I don't know, man. He's probably going to get a six or nine figure deal from somebody. Um, is, <laughs> unless they, unless they figure out Howard Turnbull before then, I r- highly doubt it'll be the A's. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing um, on that same note though, for you guys uh, with drafting, you know, the third baseman, but they drafted C.J. Rodriguez in the fourth round, the catcher from Vanderbilt. And I thought that that was interesting because on my pod for the last couple of weeks, just trying to come up with trades that couldn't like who could they trade away? And I feel like a guy like Kyle McCann, who's their catcher in Midland or Drew Millis, who may be getting called up to Midland from Lansing uh, before too long. They also got Tyler Soderstrom and Sean Murphy is obviously at the big league level. So they have fairly decent catchers already at almost every level of their system. So I think that drafting CJ Rodriguez means that either Drew Millis or Kyle McCann's getting traded at the deadline. And that's something that, you know, just looking and speculating, I think that that's kind of what that pick means to me. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you guys think? I, I, I mean, there's Soderstrom, no such thing. I don't there's... think Soderstrom's a catcher. I think by the time he gets to the big leagues, he's an outfielder or first baseman. So I don't. That, that's look the too big, much uh, that. the big question mark is what do they think about him catching long term? So maybe not, but uh, I mean, still, if you throw in T.J. Rodriguez as the Vanderbilt catcher who was catching lighter and Kumar Rocker, that's some decent pedigree right that's, there. I think. And I don't. That's know. a great point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I think there's never, there's no such thing as like not enough catcher depth throughout your organization too. So if the more you have it and it's at a good level, that'd be great. But like. If, say, you can part with one of these guys to maybe try to... I'm a big fan of Petitson. You'd like, I don't know if it's going to happen. I doubt it's going to happen. But if you can try to get someone like Jock Peterson from the Cubs, who you can kind of get in all three outfield positions, you can play some first, you can have him DH as a Bay Area kid on a one-year contract. And that's contract. not going to be too expensive and of he's, a trade yeah, either. He's a one, He's on a one-year deal. I think he's like an $8 million. I'm like, I think he'd be perfect because like right now, you know, I, I, I like Seth Brown. Skybolt after his bullshit tweet, he said or his stuff he said about Vegas. Now, dude, get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> the the depth of the outfield is lacking a little bit right now, and especially with like, I'm really nervous about Piscotti in the sense of like the guy can't stay healthy right now. He's just had this hunch ever since yeah. 2018. He can't consistently stay healthy, 
And if parting with one of those guys will help you get somebody else who can, you know, Jock isn't what he was four years ago, but he's got that pedigree, he's got the experience, and you, you can work with him so much in that lineup. Hell yeah, do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, left-handed fit. And the lefty, exactly. The left-handed fit, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, second half MVP is going to be Nelson Cruz. For- <laughs> yeah, let's do it! <laughs> Even spicier. Um, my The one pick I was actually, I was reading up a little bit the past few days on, um, Melissa Lockhart's been doing like a big breakdowns on The Athletic, and the guy that I'm like super entranced by is Denzel Clark, who he yes. was fourth-round pick, out of Northridge. And the one thing Chris and I were talking about this offline before you guys jumped on, I thought it was super interesting that the A's decided to due to more, more so due to COVID, but a lot of their scouting was just West coast. And because of that, you kind of get these hidden gems and just like reading a little bit um, about like Denzel Clark, like the guy sounds like he has a ton of talent. He's like six, five. He's got big power. He's got big speed. Like his, his mom was like a former Olympic track athlete. His cousin's Josh Naylor. Like this might be one of those guys. Like I wouldn't be shocked. Like in a couple of years, you're like, Hey, this guy, they got out of nowhere. Just tearing it up in the minors. Now. It sounded like his bat was a little bit behind his defense. And so just hearing that, I'm like, Oh, he's buddy Reed right now. And he could obviously develop as buddy Reed has, mm-hmm. but that's where that's the comp that I'm making in my head without actually seeing him live or knowing too much about him is great defense. And, uh, you know, he's got some power and maybe he can work into it, but that's where, that's my comp right now. I think not being a draft guy. Yeah, people are stoked about the two right-handers they got too, like Mason Miller, I guess he throws like 95 mm-hmm. plus and then Grant Holman, he's like six, five, six, six out of Cal. People love him too. So a couple of other, I just yeah. uh, talked to Keaton Lamb, who's the senior MLB draft writer for uh, baseball prospectus, uh, this afternoon, actually. And Two guys that he mentioned. One is Brett Harris out of Gonzaga, and he has underrated pop question mark. So that's somebody that somebody <laughs> who actually follows the, the draft is uh, excited about. And then also Johnny Butler out of NC State. He was the 14th round pick. He's a first baseman outfielder guy, and he has a great hit tool in the strike zone, and he is a cookie eater. So if a pitcher makes a mistake, he will absolutely <laughs> destroy it. And he's he said that somebody who... A cookie Listen, eater. A cookie. I, I love cookie scout monster. talk, dude. Scout talk is so funny, dude. <laughs> I've never he heard that, that comparison, so that's the greatest thing. Of... And I, I deemed him a cookie eater. So. I'm going to use that, Jason. I'm stealing that from you, bro. Yeah, no, that's completely yeah. fine. Um, and he said that... Uh, one of the guys that he would listen to when he was getting into, you know, scouting and all that stuff said that guys that hit cookies like that, they are all stars. So that is something that I'm very intrigued by at number 14, Johnny Butler. Maybe we'll see. And then just looking at, you know, stats, knowing nothing else about him, Eduardo Rivera, the A's 11th pick. Uh, he's a lefty and he's six foot seven. Do you need to know anything else about Whoa. him? He's, a lefty he's six foot seven. I love that. 230, <laughs> 240 pounds. He's probably straight muscle. That is. Yeah. And he's like 18. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of big boys drafted up. as pitchers this year. <laughs> and at one hand, I'm like, awesome. But the other hand, I look at AJ Puck and I'm like, that may be the best idea. <laughs> And also, Nick I, I immediately yeah. thought of yeah, exactly. Six, seven left. He's like Randy <laughs> Johnson, man. Big lefty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but I, I, the last name I kind of want to throw out there, I don't know what his potential is going to be, but Blake Beers has a lot of promo, promo life going on <laughs> when he's going to be playing in Vegas. Dude, Blake Beers I want night. that name. I want to change dude, it to Beers that name. Night, dude. My name. 
Beers night. Okay, every strikeout. Better, Seth beers or Blake beers? Every strikeout he gets, you get 50% off a of beer. Ooh. Okay. He, uh, why, he is why, why am I not working in like battery. a minor league organization <laughs> as a promo guy? It'd be a nice little side hustle for you, Julio. It would be. It would be. Um, so, a couple more questions. This all, it's been so much fun. We could do this all night. But uh, last, so a few more questions. One thing is what do you feel like is kind of. What do you feel optimistic about the second half of the team? Like, what do you feel is going to be a good thing? Um, what do you think is like, are you pessimistic about? I'll tell you straight up. I think just, I think Chappie kind of figuring things out again and clicking with that offense. Canna coming back when Delkin kind of setting back in the role. Those same things I'm happy. I think Eric's optimistic about. And also the trade deadline. It kind of seems like just reading around from different baseball writers Nelson Cruz has really nowhere else to go but the A's, which is weird because, like, every other team has a full-time DH in that spot or they don't really need him. So it, it, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, the trade deadline, I'm more, I haven't been this optimistic about the trade deadline in a while. That being said, it's the A's, and we're going to end up with, like, <laughs> Tanner Roark again. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be... Uh. Oh, it's like, I want Nelson Cruz. We got Nelson Cruz at home, and it's it's Mitch Moreland. <laughs> I, am, I think that the thing that I'm most excited about is also the trade deadline. I've I've been saying it since the offseason. This feels like a deadline where it's going to act like a lot like 2014, where they pushed those chips in and went and got Samarja and John Lester. It didn't work, but... Let's try it again. Why the hell not? Because this is their, their windows closing right now. Are they going to keep Chapman and Olsen? We, we don't know. And if they're not going to, are they going to trade them this offseason? So if you're going to go for it and you also got Bob Melvin, who's in, he's got one more year of control. So he's also potentially going to leave uh, speculation. Uh, and then also Billy Bean almost left during the offseason. So if they want to have their place in history in Oakland, push those chips in because when you trade, you know, Chapman and Olsen or whoever else you want to trade, uh, you're going to get those, that, that, that talent back. So why not try and actually win with the same talent? And I think that they're going to, they're going to make some moves. I think Nelson Cruz feels like oh, not a no brainer, but it feels like it should happen. Craig Kimbrell is, it's going to be them or Houston. And I really hope that it's the A's. Uh, and then maybe they even make another deal for like Taylor Rogers or something like that. And if they make those trades, how are you guys feeling about this team? Are they, AL champions or World Series champions? Where where are you guys thinking if they get two or three of those guys? Ooh. Yeah, I, I think I think they need bullpen help, dude. Like for sure. I mean, I think everybody's been kind of saying that for months. Mm -hmm. um, pretty glaring. Uh, I, I I think I, I think I'm optimistic that the bullpen can kind of figure itself out. Um, but I still uh, but I still think they need one or two more arms regardless but if if like JB can figure himself out if Romo keeps doing what he's doing Deekman if Deekman can figure himself out that'd be huge because if he can go back to being shut down cuz he was shut down all last year all spring I was expecting him to be the dude uh this this year and he really has not been uh Trevino actually is uh he still gets the heart racing like I'm surprised when I see his ERAs like two something I'm like really like for real for really? real <laughs> um so I guess that's what I'm most optimistic about is that the bullpen figure itself out uh the lineup will figure itself out because I feel like the lineup is still kind of up and down whatever there's potential there um it's like a, it's like the pieces that they have will figure itself out I'm just pessimistic that the 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 starting rotation won't 
Like, I don't know. These dudes, like, everybody's made, like, 17 starts. Like, I don't know. Just knock on – I don't – I hope – obviously, I don't hope anybody gets hurt. But just the numbers say in today's game, one of these starters is going to get hurt. And so – or it's going to miss some time, you know. Um, you know, but, but I think if they have a – if they do add some pieces of the bullpen, yeah, dude, they could reach the World Series. I mean, if they won the World Series, that would be crazy. But this team is good enough to make the World Series, I think, dude, if they add a couple more pieces here or there. How much of a wild card would it be of, like, say, the, the Zardo and Puck figured out, all right, cool, we're going to bring them up, they're coming out of the pen. Like, do you think that's enough? And then add, like, a Rogers or Kimberl? Because yeah. at that point, it's like, dude, I think that's a that's a the best bullpen in baseball yeah. if those guys can I figure mean, it, it out. It, yeah, if everybody can figure it out, but it's like a lot it's of wishful thinking. <laughs> that's, this is an optimist segment, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, optimist. I would love that, but do I also want to bank on them holding that for the entirety of the season and not choking in the playoffs when we have about two weeks to figure it out before the trade deadline? I'd rather go get somebody, and then they can be the insurance as opposed to the plan. To to answer your question, Jason, um, it, it, they, there's two major needs in my opinion, and I think that, and you did, and I would say I would feel pretty good about the team. I don't know if I'm quite at like World Series contenders, but definitely American League contenders. I think they would need um, like a couple more arms. But my biggest issue with the bullpen, which I think why it's failing on top of the injuries, I think that's pretty obvious, uh, which is the team as a whole, is the roles. The roles are just a fucking mess. And yeah. the reason why the roles are a mess is because this guy who we're paying $10 million over the next 10 years hasn't stepped on the field <laughs> and won't this season. And that sucks. Yeah. And yeah. and they, I think it, it all started there. Dude. Yeah. yeah. And so sure. you're going two weeks into uh, two weeks left in camp, and Bob Melvin walks up to Deekman and Trevino. I was like, "Hey guys, you guys are gonna have to duke it out for this closer role." And they're just like, "What? I thought we were like the setup guys." Like, so I think that kind of fucks everything up. Um, guys yeah. are coming in the games at different times than they expected to. Dude, like seeing Hendricks come in, I'm like, Jesus oh. Christ. <laughs> Do you ever just get really sad and think about, like, hey, if they just had a little bit of money, just imagine a bullpen with what we have now, including, oh, including, including, this year? including, oh hold on, including Hendricks, including Trinan, <laughs> so and including Doolittle, who's oh. actually hasn't been too bad in Cincinnati. Like, just imagine that, just a little bit, just, you know, just, yeah. just fucking stupid. <laughs> I hate this team. <laughs> so, so if they get Kimbrel, I think that solves that problem because then you have your closer and then it pushes those guys back into those roles. It pushes the guys who are kind of like trying, like the yeah. Petite and like the Romo who are trying to like play the setup role or the seventh inning guy. It pushes them to like the middle relief, the reliable, where there's like, you know, you're up by two runs and you get you got a man on second. You know, you, you can get those guys to get you out of it. And then also, like, it's it's so hit or miss with our offense. Like, one day we're scoring, like, six runs in, in five innings. The next day, like, we can't even put a run on the board. So, like, a Nelson Cruz would be great because it's more reliability at the heart of the of the order where it's, like, now, you uh, like, I mean, especially the guys who are kind of filling in for the top of the order, like Elvis Andrews is up there sometimes, Jed's up there sometimes. They're kind of inconsistent. So, like, that moves Olsen up to three. You got a yeah, reliable like Tony bat Kemp was there sick for a while. Yeah, but then he's then he slumped like yeah. crazy. So you know when Canna comes yeah. back, he's reliable, and then you, you got Nelson to come up and forth and kind of like at least you know maybe maybe seventy five percent of the games he's gonna he's gonna try and get move guys up at least. Also, think it would kill Rangers fans to see Nelson Cruz and 
Elvis and Andrews, Elvis Andrews. World Series for the A's. <laughs> and Mitch Moreland. <laughs> and Mitch Moreland. Oh, man, that would be so good. I think to your point with the bullpen, though, uh, I, I've been saying it for the entirety of the season. I think the A's have their good bullpen and the bad bullpen. You got Diolos Guerra is kind of in the middle, but you generally want him in the bad bullpen because he hasn't really succeeded when the A's have a lead <laughs> yeah. or they're in it. Uh, and then you got Sam Mole, who hasn't pitched, I don't think. So he's, Dude, yeah. he's just eating a roster spot because he's a lefty. So why not? Yeah. Uh, and he's there if the game gets out of hand. But if you had guys, if you had, you know, Rogers and Kimbrell or, you know, pick Kimbrell and somebody else in the bullpen, then all of a sudden you're just building up that depth. And then those roles that you were talking about are solidified. And then and if the A's are down by a run and they go down and they go to, you know, uh, some Wendelkin as opposed to Sam Mole in the fifth inning because their starter got knock, knocked out or something like that. I think that that gives them more confidence where if we score two runs, we can win this game as opposed to if we score two that we might give up four. And so I think that that would also have an impact on the offense. And uh, maybe, I don't know. That, that's just I agree. I, I agree. Hell yeah. yeah. I, I love that thinking. And it's like, you know, fingers crossed. I think it, it, a lot of this stuff is possible. It's just, there's going to be a lot of teams competing for a lot of the same stuff when it comes to the pen. So like, that's a big situation, but it's like, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's, there's, there's still that potential there. Uh, so last question, guys, and yeah, thank you f- for taking time. Sorry, we're taking up so much of it. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, it's Terminator Two. Uh, Judgment Day is uh, is coming up pretty close. Uh, six days away, July twentieth. Big City Council vote. Um, I was optimistic before I saw Casey Pratt's tweet. Um, it'll be fine. How you guys feeling, Alex? Since you <laughs> you're you're optimistic, huh, Alex? I, I think I, I think all the parties involved want to make this happen. Okay. Um, it's just it's just they just have to make it happen the right. They just have to do it the right way, um, you know. And and I think the A's are going to have to con- the the both sides are going to have to concede. You know, this is a very very public negotiation. Um, and I know the A's are painting this like this is like do or die, but it's not like it's really not. I, I want to let people like this is a non-binding vote. This is just a feeler. This is just like a, a very public litmus test. You know, if they vote no, I don't think the A's are going to be like, OK, we're going to cease operations. Uh, you know, I think they're going to still ride this thing out until like if the EIR is certified in October or November. um you know what's to say that they, you know, the, the the city council changes their mind into to a yes. So, obviously, a yes would be huge, um, great momentum builder, but I don't think a no kills it. So I'm so I'm optimistic is how I would put it. I guess. Yeah. I, I watched the uh, the Casey Pratt video that he was doing for ABC Seven yesterday. I think that it was on YouTube, um, and they forty five minutes long, but very very informative. And I think that the thing that stuck with me is. The Giants were out the door going to Tampa Bay in like 1992 and they are still in San Francisco somehow because the city was like, no, no, no. How about you stay here? And I think that even if there's a no vote, I think that there is still a path forward. Obviously they would have to get the city council and I don't know how much I believe in them right now, but there's still a, a way forward for Oakland A's baseball in Oakland. And uh, so if it's a yay or an a nay, I'm still going to be, uh, if it's a nay, I will be a little bit more sad, obviously, initially. But I think that there's still a way to continue to watch the A's in my in my backyard. 
before you before you chime in, Julio, I just want to take my you know my monthly jab at the Giants fans. Uh, if you ask ninety percent of Giants fans about that uh, that Tampa Bay uh, situation, they don't even know that it exists because they became fans in two thousand ten. Sorry, go ahead, Julio. <laughs> and that was your Giants jab, brought to you by. Chris Martinez, State Farm in Concord, California. <laughs> if you need your State Farm insurance, Chris Martinez, he's got your back. Like a good neighbor, that, Chris Martinez that's our, there. That's our Inside friend from Maniac. One of our best our friends friend from, from home. Maniac. He has a State Farm branch out of Concord. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Anyways. Um, Sponsored by Chris Martinez. Yeah, there we go. He'll appreciate that. <laughs> so... At the end of the day, I, I think it's I think they're going to be okay. Uh, I'm kind of on board with, with Jason and Alex of like, even if it is no, I think they're going to work it out. But I think the biggest thing that I feel like isn't getting enough attention and not enough people are talking about is if you think of Libby Shaft for her future political careers, what is that going to look like if, say, later she wants to run for a senator of California or she wants to run for governor of California? What's that going to look like on her personal record along with everybody else in her office that, like, <laughs> you lost three teams within... That's a fantastic four, point. Julio. You lost three teams... A very short period of time, period dude. Of time. Yeah. Like, what were you doing? Like six years or whatever? And yeah. like, like, I'm tough years, on people, yeah. and maybe that's the route that she wants to go and the, the brand that she wants to build, but uh, I don't think that people want that. Yeah, exactly. And, okay, you did lo- lose those teams. What did you do to truly improve the city? And if you can't show one without the other, then it's like, dude, I'm sorry. Your career as a politician is done. And, you know, we're it, it, it's, it's just a whole other thing. And with that scope, I it seems like she's truly in with this. She really wants them to stay. And I think a big part of it is because, like, yo, if you guys don't get this shit done, I'm done. Like, you need to get this figured out. So I'm optimistic. Um, I think the hard part is just, like, trying to mute out the people who don't really know what's going on and who are, like, not uh, politicians who are not within, like, the real estate kind of world with that. Like, you get, don't listen to those people. Like, I'm yeah. so I'm so grateful for someone like Casey pratt who's like yeah. really dedicated his last dude his ears on the ground like dude. dedicated yeah, his yeah. really yeah. his his professional livelihood to the situation and like he's made life a lot easier for a lot of people like us so appreciate it but yeah, opt- cautiously sure. optimistic like everything else with this stupid team <laughs> i have one question and that is uh, obviously we just all said that we are somewhat optimistic at least uh if the a's do leave what happens to your a's fandom San Diego Padres. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> let's all let's all pick our teams. <laughs> well, my girlfriend's know, from man. San Diego, so okay. absolutely no. But I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm no, my family is our diehard Raider fans. I grew up going to the Coliseum. My dad was a season ticket holder for 15 years, and I'm still a Raider fan. It was a hard couple years, but at the end of I'm it, the same boat. Yeah. yeah, I I'm still like you know. That's you know my dad was a Raider. I'm like a reluctant Raiders fan, dude. Oh. <laughs> I was like, God damn it! I'm. I mean, they're not the NFL's good. not fun if you don't have a team. They're not even a good team. And also, like, my dad was going to games with her in LA, so like, I, I'll, I'm still. You're locked in. With, You're like locked yeah, in. Yeah, you didn't have a choice. Yeah. Team. But with the A's, <laughs> I'll see when I get there. I, I think I'll still be, but. I don't. I don't know. That's a that's a really tough question. That's something I've actually thought a lot about. And uh, I don't. I don't know, man. It's just like, especially being down here, it's so easy to root for the Dodgers because they're just like the biggest right story. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I mean, this team, like this town, does love this team. I will say. And 
I, I, so I, I experimented with this whole thing. I'm also a Raider fan. And, uh, when they like were, when they decided to move to Vegas, I felt it as like a slap in the face. So I was like, fuck these guys. I'm not going to root for these dudes <laughs> yeah, anymore. So this coming season, I made it a thing like, cause I love Aaron Rodgers Cause I grew up, uh, uh, I'm a diehard, like Cal fan, uh, because my dad went to Cal and we like had season tickets growing up. So I watched like the first team of Cal that I watched was the Aaron Rodgers, like those teams. So I was like, all right, so I'm going to watch Packers football this season and I'm gonna watch Niners football. I'm going to pick between those te- two teams. One of them is going to be my team, whichever one I follow the most. And I still found myself switching over to the Raider games, even though they were fucking hot garbage. <laughs> I still found myself, like, caring yeah. about them. and like It's not the same. It's not the same if you don't have an investment in the team. And it's, it's just, not the same, I was dude. too emotionally yeah. invested yeah. in the Raiders to, like, to pick a new team. And the A's are, like, this, the A's are as much a part of me as any personality trait that I have. So, like... I want to say like fuck them, but like I know that I'm not going to be able to. I I know it, that I'm it would be still... really hard for me to just stop because I love I think baseball is my favorite sport. But it would be yeah. really hard to just turn that off. It's really hard to just turn. Dude, that yeah. I went to I went to fucking Japan to watch the A's, man. Like I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm, it's, yeah. like it, it's it's insane. Yeah, Chris, I actually brought that back from Chris. The little fan was when I went to the uh, I went to an a, the A's exhibition game against I forgot what Japanese team it was. The Nippon Ham Fighters, that's who it was. And but just I want to touch on the, the stadium thing real quick. I, I will say it's a little concerning how hard the A's are pushing um, with the whole Vegas thing, like going to meetings actively and, and visiting there. So that, that does concern me a little bit. I hope, they can, I hope they can work it out. But, like, I would be lying if I said, like, I'm cautiously optimistic because I'm not even cautiously optimistic because I've seen this before, you know, with the Raiders. And it's just like. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah. You know what you could yeah. do? I think switch over to the Jags, baby. Oh God! <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay. The, here's the story. That came out of that came out of nowhere, Jason. What the I, shit? I grew God. up. I, I told you guys before Alex got here. I grew up a Niners fan because the Raiders were not in town uh, yeah. when I was born, and my dad was a Niners fan, so I was like, ah, Niners, whatever. And then uh, they. They, they do some things that I don't like. Like, they, they treated, uh, why can't I remember his name? The, the QB, the, the, the kneeling guy. Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Yeah, Kaepernick. They, the they treated Colin <laughs> Kaepernick. Christ. They did him dirty, and I did not like that. I'm like, no, he's finally doing, and also Alex Smith, they mm-hmm. did him dirty by replacing him with Kaepernick because he finally had some consistency in coaching, and then they're like, you know what? Screw you. We got this guy now. And so just the way that they've handled everything, not a fan. Uh, and I, I watched the Raiders for a year and I, I got into it. I got some Raider stuff and I was excited, but uh, I also kind of didn't care. Mm. But I was like, all right. And so I just stopped watching football. <laughs> uh, football is angering to me because of some of their stances. But uh, this year I was like, no, no, I, I'm trying to, you know, watch a little bit more other sports other than baseball throughout the course of the year. And I was like, you know what? This Trevor Lawrence kid is interesting. Let's go Jags. So, uh, <laughs> so I got a hat. <laughs> Oh, hey, just, just I, wait I was, until you do your research about Urban Meyer, man. You're gonna oh, no, be like, he's oh, terrible. I do not want to be a Jack Star. <laughs> hey, well, I t- mean, if I'm already watching football, why not root for the devil? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. To, hey, hey, to each their own, man. To each their own. Um, on that note, on the, we're gonna end Jags talk with the end of this podcast. Locked on Jags. Make Jags. sure to listen. To Locked on Jags with Jason Burke. Yeah. Jason, the Jim, the Jimmy Pods. Smith, the Fox. Make sure. Jimmy, yes. 
The Keenan McCardell of <laughs> the Mark Brunel of blogs. <laughs> the Mark Brunel. I, I was a big Fred Taylor guy. I love Fred Taylor. I was about to throw, I, I was about to throw I, Blake I Bortles out there. Drew. Bortles? How are we going to say? Maurice, <laughs> Maurice Jones-Drew. Hold blogs. on. Maurice Jones-Drew. Antioch native. I like that one. I like that one. Yeah, I, I went to high school with him. Good dude. Oh, yeah. Um, Najee Harris. On Najee Harris. Antioch. Uh, on that note, thank you guys, Alex, Jason. We re- really appreciate it. The cross pod. This, awesome. uh, this was this so awesome. Fun. Fun times, the group dude. chat. Yeah. Um, don't forget to check out their stuff. Jason Burke, Locked on A's, uh, uh, at Locked on A's uh, on Twitter, at Jason, by Jason B. Sorry about that. Um, Alex Espinosa, the Ricky Henderson of blogs and podcasts. He's the Ricky Henderson of everything, apparently. So sorry, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. On Twitter, at Ricky blog. <laughs> Boys, appreciate it. We got to do it again sometime for sure. For sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Welcome back, everybody. That was so much fun. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, I had a ball. That was just... that. Was, ooh. Play on words. Uh, I was just like, guys being dudes, dude. I'm talking about baseball. What's, what's better than this? I know, right? Uh, all right, Julio, let's preview the upcoming schedule. Um, this Friday through Sunday, um, Cleveland is coming to town. The, um, used to be, we're not going to say the Cleveland baseball team. We're not going to be offensive on this podcast. Um, we don't know who the starters are yet. Otherwise we'd preview that for you, but sorry. Uh, and then, uh, next week, Monday through Tuesday or Monday and Tuesday, um, the angels, uh, are coming to town. So a nice little homestand. Um, some teams kind of on the latter half, so maybe we can uh, strum up some wins to kind of get back up in that uh, that uh, standings. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Angels have been, you know, obviously All-Star break. It's a brand-new season. Angels have been 7-3 the last 10 games. They're starting to pick it up without Mike Trout because, you know, Otani. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, Cleveland's the other way. They've started off really well. They've been 3-7 and seven the last 10 games. Both teams are still above 500. Um, it, it's just going to be – I think it's going to be two really – good series because these aren't some slouch teams. These aren't these great teams. Like these are the teams that I think are a good test for the A. So it's a great test to come out of the all-star break. You know what I mean? Chris. Yeah. Uh, all right, Julio, who's your player of the week? I'm going to double dip here because I'm going to go. He was my essential tool. And I just really want to highlight him because he really killed it to end the first half of the season. Jed Lowry. Uh, he went seven for thir- seven for 16, three runs, four singles, uh, a double, two home runs, five RBIs, one walk, one K, especially going into that last series, the going into last series against the Rangers and then finishing off well against the Astros in the, in the second to last series as well. Uh, it just shows it, man. Like this guy tapped into the found youth somewhere in Oakland. He finished his season, first half of the season strong. He's performed way above expectations. We we need we need him to be to be better. So I'm glad that he's on a nice little little um little run. Um, mine's gonna be uh Chris Bassett because he pitched in the All Star game and he had pitched three days before that and still did it. And I thought that was really cool and really badass. So see Bass, you get my vote for just being a trooper and just taking in the moment because you know you never know if you're gonna be back there. So like. I respect that a lot that he was just like fuck it, I'm gonna fucking pitch. I don't give a shit. Uh, shout out to Frankie too. Excellent start on Thursday, Thursday against the Astros. It felt like it was years ago since yeah. the last time we've seen the Ace play. But um, it does, dude. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Uh, Julio, you're essential. You just said it. It's Jed Lowry, and you gave all the stats. Seven for 16, three runs, uh, two home runs, five RBIs, only one strikeout. Good shit. Mine was Elvis Andrews. He, I mean, look, this isn't terrible. Four for, four for 17. He scored three runs. He had four strikeouts. But, you know, could be worse. Yeah, worse. He, he, he kind of performed at his season level. Yeah, three games. Is, it was three games. Yeah, yeah. Sample you, size. You can't really, yeah, it's a very small sample size. Now, Chris, right. who you got this week? Who's going to be our dude? Uh, So I've done him twice, but I really think it's important based on what um we were kind of talking about with him and we kind of uh, – uh, you you kind of pointed out with uh, with Alex and, and Jason just how um, um, how he's put together like three really good starts. So I'm gonna pick Frankie Montaz because he needs we. It's just the consistency, man. The thing that I keep bitching on this podcast about is like he does two or three good amazing starts where he looks like the best pitcher in baseball, and then he fucking shits the bed. So if he can put together four straight straight good starts, like I'll start feeling better about his second half performance because we do need a big second half performance out of all of our. We need all of our starters to keep doing what they're doing, but um, it'd be even better if Frankie um, was on top of it as consistent as the rest of these guys. So who's yours? Absolutely. Uh, fantastic choice. <laughs> Love it so far. Um, I, I was originally going to go Jake Diekman, but it's kind of hard to predict bullpen players yeah. throughout the week because you you know you don't know how often of play time they're going to get. Uh, but I am going to go with Steven Piscotti. For a couple reasons. One, he's healthy again. Knock on wood if you're with me. Um, so having there, having him out there, not only providing that plus glove that he, we know he can provide in the outfield, mm-hmm. uh, but just providing that pop in the bat that he could provide, I think is something very potential. But also with the trade deadline looming, um, corner outfield depth has been something that the front office, writers, and like fans have been asking for. And he's... More or less, he's going to be playing for his everyday job on the line. Yeah. And I think over these next couple of weeks, it's going to be the most pitiful for him. So if you want somebody to really keep an eye out on, see if they're wriggling to live up to the opportunity, Steven Piscotti is going to be the guy. Love it. Um, all right, everybody. We won't take up too much more of your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much again to Alex and Jason for joining us. That was so much fun. Hopefully we can do it again for all of you. Um, optimistic. Yeah. I'm feeling Pes- I, I'm, I'm pessimistically, pessimistically optimistic. I still ruined it, but you get the point. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I think the audience does too. I hope that we can turn around and win the division. I don't want to play in another fucking wild card game, so hopefully we can figure it out. Last but not least, Julio. Please vote yes on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go, Oakland. And hopefully everybody's surviving this heat wave. Climate change is real, ladies and gentlemen. Stay cool out there. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly, Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song 
as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland. Oh, 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 oh,